Welcome, my brother, Kane Ma. Welcome to the Jeremy Worden Podcast, bro. Good to have you. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Thank Feels you. good to be here. Good to have you. And thank you, everyone, for joining. I'm excited to have one of my good friends, Kane, on. Uh, Kane and myself have, you know, uh, known each other since our days at the University of North Carolina. Uh, we met my freshman year, which was his sophomore year, uh, because we played on the junior varsity basketball team together. Kane ended mm -hmm. up making the varsity team, which you know definitely is not an easy thing to do. And just you know, a really hard worker has uh, had a lot of success in his professional life as well. And is just you know an interesting person who I wanted to bring on and have a conversation with. So yeah, we're doing that, Kane. I know I just gave you a little overview, but uh, yeah. tell tell the world about yourself. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You make me uh, make me flustered every time, you know. But uh, no, it's it feels good to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, me and Jeremy go, I guess, way back to an extent. Uh, I guess seven years now or something. Seven, eight years. Uh, it was counting. Um, yeah, I mean, like he said, you know, we went to UNC. We had a lot of like comp sci classes together and things like that. Uh, I ended, so I did, we're nerds. We're both we're, nerds we're too. Nerds. We get buckets and we're nerds. Uh, yeah, I mean. Why not do both? You know. So we grinded we on the court, and not really in the classroom because we weren't necessarily going to class. But like, yeah, yeah. priorities you know, though. You know, we'd be we'd We're, be in the Dean Dome at you know one two a.m. and we'd be we'd be um, in the well the comp side building closed, but we'd be in the oh did it? Well, yeah, it wasn't open at night. Oh, so we'd be. Yeah. I would say the honestly not even a lot. We'd be in my apartment if we had to pull an all nighter like right. working on a comp side assignment. Yeah. You know, we'd make sure to get some shots up in the middle. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, you got to work smarter, not harder, right? You know, book smart, you know, it can take you some ways, but only so far, right? But, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of hours in the gym, a lot of shots getting, getting thrown up. Uh, Guys, Kane was a man. I mean, Kane, like, I worked hard in basketball. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I put in a lot of hours. Kane put in a fuck ton of hours. We're talking, like, Kobe Bryant-level hours in the gym. Like, I mean, just to be honest, like, from let's say from when I even knew you, you know, so you're your sophomore year of college yeah. to you know making varsity. So Kane made varsity his, his senior year. Yeah. Uh, and UNC has a junior varsity program that that is kind of like the the training grounds for for varsity. And Kane was on that for for three years, and then got the call up, or actually was on it four years and got a call Technically, up. Technically, yeah. Was got yeah. the call up, but like yeah. just to be, how many hours a day do you think you were in the gym, on average? freshman to senior year? I mean, I, w I was in the gym almost every day. You know, some days it was like two hours getting shots. Other days you might have been two a days. So like maybe one and a half in the morning. Then you have practice. So could be up to like four or something. But it, it was just like when I went, because coming out of high school, my, my basketball career has always kind of been up and down in general. So, you know, adversity is kind of, uh, it's not new to me at all. Uh, and if anything, I I invite it. For those of you guys not watching this, Kane is Asian, and uh, I he, am Asian. He got heckled a lot. I mean, you know, a lot. I mean, I I you know I'm white, and I got heckled some, like definitely growing up, uh, you know, white boy. But definitely, you know, Kane being Asian, and you know, the rise of the Jay Lynn, and I heard it firsthand, you know, myself, the the comments he would receive. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just something that over time you just take it on the shoulder and it becomes like you know the chip on your literally the chip on your shoulder so you I always kind of had that underdog mentality always wanting to not just prove to others but prove to myself that I you know you're just capable of getting to that next level and doing well at that next level so um coming out of high school I had a, some offers you know division 2 scholarship offers um which was I mean I wasn't satisfied with what I had done to get to that point. Uh, but I got to UNC academically. I was like, all right, I always want to go to the big school, ACC basketball. This is like a huge basketball school. Heard about the JV team and I was like, I'm sold. I'm gonna figure out how to walk onto the team and just do everything I can to get that done. So first step was trying to make the JV team, which was coached by now head coach, Hubert Davis. He was our head coach back on JV while he was still in the system on varsity. Um, so yeah, that's where, where Jeremy and I, uh, spent a lot of hours together in that gym. Um, 
but it was it was really a numbers game. JV is tough because at the end of the day, like there's they're recruiting five star players, you know, at every position. So it's really like you got to be good enough. Obviously, you have to outshine on the JV team, but they also need to actually have a roster spot, a roster spot for you. So they, he, Coach Williams always had four or five point guards. So uh, it was kind of a waiting game for me. Um, but yeah, it paid off. Yeah, and uh, talking about that numbers game, I mean, I'm a I'm a numbers guy myself. Definitely have always been, and you know, for me, my, my freshman sophomore year, numbers actually looked good for my. So I'm a, I'm like kind of like a point point forward. I, I would say I grew oh, up yeah. I grew up as oh, a yeah. point guard, and then I I grew I grew from five eight to six. one through four. Playing the one through four. Yeah, I grew up. I grew from five eight to like six two, six three. So I, I got pretty awkward physically, but I still kind of had the that that point card vision. Uh, but you know, my freshman year, there was two walk ons on varsity who kind of were like that similar tweener position, and then mm-hmm. just you know, it's but that that kind of kind of went away, and you know, they needed a point guard and a center, and uh, you know, Kane was a point guard. He was the top point guard on that list, so. A lot of it is, is luck, but I, I think that kind of goes to, you know, I, I personally am a believer, uh, and I think this is actually a saying that, you know, the UNC coaches uh, say a lot, but it's like success is when, uh, you know, hard work and preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yep. And obviously the opportunity part is kind of luck. Like you don't know, I mean, timing is everything, but uh-huh. you're only going to be able to succeed in the moment if you're prepared. Absolutely. And if yeah. you've, you know, put in, put in the hours yeah. and, you know, definitely for you that, de- you know, you certainly put in, put in the hours, but tell us, so you made the varsity team your senior year, which, you know, obviously is a dope experience. You know, I, I can have a lot of success and I, you know, I hope to have a lot of success in everything I do, but that's something I will never, you know, I can never go back to college and, and make the varsity team. So, you yeah. know, you, you did that. Yeah. So, but then what'd you do after like another thing that you, know, you were able to do that, kind of a check off uh uh you know something off the list there yeah yeah so yeah i made the team like you said it's luck meets opportunity uh sometimes like it, it really is like you got to put yourself in a place to accept that in the beginning like at the end of the day you know like you, you're not ready you know the luck's not going to come to you right but you know after graduating uh, i actually played one year overseas so um i got a deal to play in china uh, it was called the ABL, ASEAN Basketball League. Um, there's a regional league in Southeast Asia. So that was really like the goal, right, is to get paid to play basketball like as a pro. So that was like um, kind of the peak of my basketball career, uh, which was, uh, you know, there was ups and downs even with that, but that was like a culmination of a lot of hours, um, a lot of ups and downs. Um, and playing freaking professional basketball in, in Macau, right? Yeah, in Macau. So. Which is, if for those of y'all who don't know, Macau is like the the Asian Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's it, right it across from Hong Kong. It's yeah. in between China and Hong Kong, which mm-hmm. is obviously like a contentious area. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, just seeing the world in general, right? Like, we, we traveled to 10 different countries, and that kind of like opened my worldview a lot and just meeting different peoples, getting introduced to different types of cultures, and just growing, you know, and most most of that time you're by yourself overseas, right? So there's a lot of growth there. Um, when I came back from that season, uh, actually, I, you know, I always wanted to, I've always kind of taken the unorthodox route and wanted to kind of put my chips on the table and bet on myself. So um, while I could go and, you know, work at a, software company as an engineer or something, which I had some offers to do. I was, I, you know, I put the chips back on the table. I always wanted to kind of, um, start my own business because, you know, you can dictate your life because of that. You know, you, you choose when you want to work. Um, you don't have anyone telling you what you have to do. You know, you choose your hours and at the end of the day, it's, it's just freedom, right? That doesn't mean you're not, you're not working even harder, but it's the fact that you can get to that, that freedom or be able to build something you always wanted to build. So, um, yeah, after the season I started, you know, I got with the business partner. He was a close friend of mine. Um, and we started a digital agency, uh, basically it, it turned into an app development company. So we started working with a ton of different startups, building mobile apps, web apps, mostly, 
um, helping even with some digital marketing like SEO paid ads, but it was mostly development and um, it was, that was a grind, you know, just scaling that from, I pretty much used all the money I made overseas, which wasn't a ton, you know, I didn't play in the NBA or anything, but you know, I made a decent amount and it was good enough to, you know, seed a lot of that. Um, and which actually ran out pretty fast, but you know, once the money started coming in, when we started getting projects, it was, uh, it was cool to see. And then there's just a lot of growth with having your own thing. You know, you have to, you have to wear like 50 different hats every day, but that's part of the fun. Yeah. So you, instead of, you know, you had that, you, you, you were being handed kind of that, that corporate job that, you know, six figure corporate job, nine to five that, you know, you had worked for and obviously getting a CS degree at a, at a good school is able to create that. But for you, you were like, nah, fuck it. You know, I'm going to, I'd rather, I'd rather see what I can do. You know, I don't, and I, I think, I think like uh, something we talk about is, you know, the thing is when you get that corporate job, uh, your your output, so like how much money you make and everything, and is not defined by your inputs. Mm-hmm. Like what you're actually doing every day and the amount of effort you're putting in, like really isn't going to affect what you're getting paid that much. Right. Like your boss isn't really, you know, your boss doesn't even control your pay. It's like your boss's boss's boss. You know, there's the company guidelines sure. that say someone who's you know been out of college for so many years gets paid in a certain amount, and then they get that four or five percent raise that year. Like you're not really in control of what you're doing at that point. So, you know, going out there again, you could have got a, a solid six figure job, but just saying, fuck it, I'm going to try something. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. at that point you had never developed apps or anything, yeah. but you know, you're just exactly. like, I, I can figure out how to do this. And I know this is something where if I put more hours in, my output's going to be greater. Am I, I kind of wrong with that kind of way of thinking? I mean, no, I, I think, well, I think sometimes, you know, saying like some people are just kind of cut from a different cloth or kind of built different. Like, uh, I think between like me and you, like just the way our minds work and kind of like even through basketball, like I, I, I think about life through the lens of a basketball player all the times because that's what a lot of my life has uh, been dictated by. And so you just learn so much through the, the game of basketball that, you know, anytime you, you take a hit or there's a setback or opportunity doesn't come through you know it's always about just getting back up and getting back you know and trying to get back right get to the next level right so it's it's just that you're used to that failure constantly right and so it becomes a part of you in some ways right so it i wasn't uh, afraid of failing again you know because at the end of the day i valued uh even just the attempt to do it more than whether or not i failed or at doing it right and so I think that was ultimately why it was an easy choice for me to start a business. Um, but then, like you said, you know, like there's no ceiling to what you can accomplish if you start your own thing. Cause it's literally yours, right? Like, you can be as big or small as you want. Um, and also it's just like the biggest thing is also just like the what if factor. Like I, you don't want to live life with regrets and I damn sure was not going to, say like what if i'd never tried you know and you know, i can't take that to the grave either so um yeah it made a lot of sense to me um and the growth is i feel like you just grow so much more as well you know yeah i, I mean i i agree and i think it's kind of so yeah you talk about like being cut from a different cloth and maybe our competitive backgrounds and, and sports did that but like for me personally you know, basketballs, there's only five people on the court. You know, mm-hmm. you can have 15 people on a team, but ultimately there's only five, you know, five starters at a given time. You know, there's only, you know, high school, I guess there's what, 40 minutes a game, 10 minute quarters, for high school, eight, eight minute minutes, quarters. Eight yeah. 30, 32 minute game. So you only got 32 minutes out there and, you know, growing up, you go playing AAU basketball, you're playing school basketball and then you switch schools and you go from middle school to high school and you have, you know, you have a new coach. Like my, in high school, for instance, I had four coaches, my four years of high school. And we were, we were a really good program too. Like we, we were, you know, one of the top teams in the state, we were back to back to back conference champions. And we still, every year we'd have a new coach and it was like essentially just having to prove yourself again and again. And like, admittedly, like I got kind of burnt out from every new year, just like I would work my tail off the year before, you know, I mean, a lot of, again, and I, 
you know, I'm sure you faced this, but like you looked at me growing up, I didn't look like the most athletic person, you know, like, especially even, even when I grew to be, you know, six, three, six, four, I still was kind of like, you know, I, I had growing pains. It was kind of awkward. So just from, you know, someone's first glance at me playing there, you know, they, they just wouldn't think I'm good. And I would have to prove myself over a season that I'm a good player. Like I'm a team player. I know where to be on the court. I know, I know what decisions to make. Like I make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm effective. Yep. Like I know when to cut. I know, you know, I know who to guard, you know, like I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. And then at the end of the year, you know, would end up being a starter, would end up being one of you know best players, play the most minutes on the team. Then next fucking year, it's just bang, I'm off the bench. You know, I'm right. not, and it's just every year having yeah. to prove myself. And that's what I like about business, honestly. Like, mm -hmm. you know, comparing, yeah, businesses, you have your adversities. But like, shit, I don't have to do the do-over button. Every, you know, you go to a new team, mm -hmm. you know, the coaches, friends with certain players, families, yeah. you know, it's kind of that political game. Like business is just straight about that action. Like yeah, you can deliver sure. people results sure. and like, and this is why, I mean, I do Airbnbs specifically in short-term rentals now, but it's, you provide guests and experience they're willing to pay for. And obviously there's a little bit more to it than that. Mm -hmm. It goes well, they give you good reviews. Someone else books, you know, you keep the calendar full, the money keeps coming in. There isn't really, I mean, there's a degree of seasonality obviously, Yeah, but there's no, there's no, I feel like basketball every year was like a new, a reset button. Like a new mm -hmm. season was like having to prove yourself again over and over yeah. again. And whereas business is just fucking keep going, yeah. you know, every day kind of builds on itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, long lasting impact for sure. And like, I think, yeah, you're right. Basketball does kind of have the on season, off season, and you know, it is a lot more proving, um, I'd say certainly in our shoes, we yeah. like had to had to prove yeah, ourselves yeah, definitely, you know, definitely. continually. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll say you know you were on the team with me. Mm -hmm. Like, I had a pretty good freshman year, sophomore year. The first two games I didn't play because we had a new coach. Right. You know, like we had yeah. a new coach, and I guess they hadn't talked to each other. And uh, literally, you know, freshman yeah. year I had like I thought a pretty good year, and then sophomore year, just like first two games, just yeah. I mean, that's didn't get in at all. Basketball's a very opportunist. <laughs> tunistic sport you know like right place right time matters a lot like that's why like recruiting is such a crazy thing it's like every player wants to find the system that will allow them to play the best you know like there's some players who would do terrible in coach davis's system because they need like his structure yeah they need structure his like nba style like guards can create you got which was yeah space, I, was, right? I was a structure guy for yeah. sure i yeah. was definitely a structure. i mean i'm not I got to up the sauce levels. Kane, Kane has a lot more <laughs> sauce than me. Mom. So, yeah, I mean, that that's just – but back to what you were saying about business, it's just like you literally have – it's just unlimited potential. That's the best way for me to put it. Like it's it's kind of like having that blank, that whiteboard, you know, and you can just create whatever you want from it. You're in control of your own – whatever it may yeah. be, you are, you are in control of your own destiny. So talking about app development, just kind of also – you know, some context. So I stopped my sophomore year, which was Kane's junior year. Yeah. I was like, I I'm doing the math here. I mean, there was a kid who came in at my position. So same position as me an inch taller and could literally hit his head on the rim and dunk between his legs. Yeah. It was like a state high jump champion. And yeah, I mean, I was like, if there's a spot that opens up, you know, that's my position, which, you know, I don't even know the chances that that's going to happen. It's his spot. Like he's already, yeah. there's nothing I could do. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. I could coach like, had his eye, had their eyes on him. They were like, yeah, mine was made up. Yeah. Like I had a good, like I, again, I had a good, I thought I had a pretty good season, you know, shot a very high percentage, you know, was in the right place, did all the right things, blah, blah, blah. Nah, he's in his head on the fucking rim. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm rim grazing, <laughs> like, right, like, right, like right. right. Hey, different towns for different people. Yeah, but for me, so what I did at that time was like, all right, I gotta, because like to be frank, I, you know, I was not focused on my resume, you know, and I know you probably weren't focused on your resume no. at all yeah. at that time. I was thinking I'm gonna try to go overseas and play for ten years. That's really all I was mattered. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking like, I want to make this varsity basketball team. It's been my dream and. All right, once that door closes, I'm going to figure out like that's, you know, when when I realized that door was closing, I was like, "Damn. 
all right, I gotta, I gotta make my resume. I gotta, I gotta start applying to different internships, job opportunities. And I did that my sophomore year. I applied to a lot of different internships and got rejected by every single one. Like even the company my, my dad had worked for my entire life, like literally since I was a baby. I remember one of my earliest memories is going into the office with him. Uh, he, he worked in New York City when we lived in New Jersey. And I went into the office with him and I accidentally, we were playing like tag with his, his coworkers' kids. And I accidentally slammed the door on his boss's, boss's kid's hand. <laughs> and his, his like hand was really bloody. Uh, but my point was, my dad worked at a company my whole life. Even they rejected me. And again, I, I had a CS, you know, CS courses. I, I actually had good grades, even though all was totally life and I didn't really care about school. But yeah. I had I had a good GPA and I got rejected from that. And I was like, I just can't I can't go through this anymore. Can't like catch a win. You know, it's just like basketball, bro. Like I'm yeah. I'm done like yeah. letting other people decide what I'm, you know, for sure. For sure. If yeah, I'm yeah, getting yeah. a spot. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I can't I can't Absolutely. it's been 15, 20 years of that already. And you know, I, I haven't been, you know, I've been on the on on the short end more times than I can mm -hmm. remember. I mean, I had obviously great, you know, great career and experiences, but mm -hmm. I got to do my own thing. I got to create my own destiny. And that's where I actually started initially. Um, you know, I, I know you got into kind of the development game, but that was like early on, you know, my between sophomore, junior year, and then junior, junior year of college was for me was trying yeah, developing different digital products. Uh, tried to do some things for myself, but really where the money, you know, where you can make money is someone pays you to do it for them. Yeah, because exactly. I needed I needed money, so I was like, I yeah. could spend all my time on something I'm doing, and who knows if it's going to work or not work. Uh, probably I have no means of fundraising for it, or mm -hmm. I can help someone with their thing, and they'll pay me money for it. So exactly. I started with websites, digital design, um, and then actually one of my clients, I ended up just going to work for, which mm -hmm. was uh, right. you know New York based company. Yeah. But then when I went and worked for, when I went and started working for the New York based company, you, that was like when you were going, all right, I'm done with basketball. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to try something entrepreneurial. And I was like, yo, I've been doing this for the last couple of years. Like it's worked pretty well, you know, like it's yeah. like, it's like, let's, yeah. let's, I, let's hey, talk. I remember <laughs> that phone call still. I was, I was actually back at my old high school because I was like helping my coach out with something. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take this call real quick. Just to ask, you know, have, just catch up with Jeremy, see what he's got going on, let him know what I'm doing. And yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, that was a lot of insight you gave me there that day, you know, just because you had been through it, you kind of had more or less a blueprint on how to get these digital products off the ground and, you know, actually create it. So yeah, I mean, that, that was, that was, uh, that was big for me, you know. Um, the other the cool thing about businesses is just like, I feel like everyone's always like, well, like I don't have that like crazy idea. So I like that genius idea. So like, I, why would I start a business? You know, and, I don't have an idea yet. That's yeah. like, that's the number one excuse yeah. for like, like, or people like Airbnbs, like, like, you know, cause I do, you know, I found that Airbnbs work. Like I've done a lot of shit and it's just short-term rentals work when you do it right. It's mm -hmm. and yeah. something obviously I enjoy, but the number one thing people get is like, Oh, I'm not in a good location. You know, people always have excuses. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and the thing is like, it's not always about like, all right, I want to be the next Apple. Cause I feel like that's what everyone looks at entrepreneurs as and, or anyone who starts a business. And it's like, honestly, you could use a, creating a business as a way to learn something, you know, like I literally learned the whole software development life cycle, not through school. Cause I didn't go to class much, but through starting that business and just literally learning on my own. And then honestly getting paid to do it. And like the first couple of clients I had, like I, I made a lot of, like I messed up their app a little bit, you know, <laughs> like I was just like, there's that, like, I didn't do enough QA testing. I didn't do this, didn't do that. I was just like, yeah, like, honestly, I, I kind of feel bad for these guys, but I'll try to fix it, you know, but you know, but you, you learn, you learn, you learn. and then the next app goes better, you know, and down the, down the line. Right. And, and obviously like everyone, and the other side of making a business or starting your own business is because you want to make money from it. You know, you don't want to work nine to five because you're capped at like 150 K or 200 K. Like you want to make more than that, you know, because you know that 
that's true freedom. You know, like money's a vehicle. Money isn't just like, it's not just like greed, but like, come on, there's a, there's a lot of money out there and you starting a business and being and in it being successful is only a drop in the ocean, you know? And there's so many different types, yeah. types of businesses out there. Uh, but I think, I think, I mean, I, I really like the agency. I mean, essentially you're, you're mm -hmm. an app development agency and that's, yeah. I think that's a model for people, you know, anywhere starting, you know, who want to start a business, obviously, again, I, I'm a firm believer in, if you want cash flow, like if you want, you know, let's say the average American who's 25 years old pulls in what, 40 grand a year or something, right? 50 grand. Mm -hmm. After taxes, what is that? Three thousand dollars a month. Yeah, I mean, literally a single property in my portfolio. I don't own one of my first arbitrage uh, units is a, a duplex. So I rent. It's like an entire house, but I, I split it into two. So it's you know you can rent either side. That house is cash flowing three thousand a month. So boom. Yeah. So that's I mean that's yeah. a pretty specific instance. But think about right. agent agency model like. Uh, you know, for instance, copywriters, you know, like people who literally they, mm -hmm. they have an agency where they, they write emails for businesses. Right. Right. For example, I at this point, so I've, you know, I have a short term rental Airbnb business. I have a boat business. Mm -hmm. I've actually, you know, leveraged my God, the fucking word leverage. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like leverage so is going to destroy some people this year. That's for a different time. Yeah. That's a topic for a different uh, we'll time. Say, we'll say, well, we'll get into your crypto stuff in a, in <laughs> okay, a bit okay. here. We can talk about crypto later. We'll get in a bit. But um, also built a, so I'm an Airbnb investor who has a computer science background and likes, you know, had an ex a background building digital products. So took, you know, I, I was using an Excel spreadsheet to run the numbers on properties and had a pretty awesome Excel spreadsheet, a really, yeah. a really nice one, but it just mm -hmm. took way too long to run the numbers on properties. So I said, I, I know, you know, you could plug into these APIs and could build something that just takes the time of analyzing a property and cuts it in a, in a third, maybe even, yeah. you know, cuts it, makes it so you can run 10 properties in the time you would run one property, the old way of doing it. So built out that tool with one of our uh, college classmates mm -hmm. and, you know, that tool launched five, six months ago and, uh, you know, has, has a lot of users and has been a really cool experience. And I had a point with this, uh, what, what, what did, what... I mean, look, I dude, guess I sometimes just you just that. talk and, <laughs> and I'm just like, this all sounds really good and it makes complete sense to me. And obviously this isn't the first time I heard this, but you were going somewhere with it for sure. Yeah. No, I, when I, when I started talking here, I, I had a point. We, we stopped with leverage. I, <laughs> I think that got us off track. We got it. But... We got, yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of people off track. My, my point being is like, I got to know when you do things, you don't necessarily know where things are going to go. You know, you just kind of, you got to do them. Uh, so it's kind of funny how everything ties together. So I started, you know, software doing that. And then mm -hmm. what I found was during COVID and you'll be definitely tied into this, Yeah. but I felt like, so first of all, my, my salary beginning of COVID March, 2020, I took a hit personally, like mm -hmm. the company I worked for was pretty much like our whole plans are getting delayed. We don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, we need to cut employee salaries. And especially because, yeah, we, we just got to cut, cut our costs. And I was, you know, my, not that I even had a good, good salary cause I, I didn't, uh, but my, my salary got cut to 2,500 a month. So probably less than you could have made more money on unemployment that I was even making during that yeah, time. 2,500 in New York city. That's crazy. Well, I had to leave. I, I, I dipped. I said, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, right, this isn't sustainable. And I took, I took everything I had and I literally started investing in first pontoon boats. Yep. Uh, that. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but also part of like doing pontoon boats is at that time, I felt like everything, a lot of what my friends who I thought were talented and like, you're an example, uh, you know, Parker's another, the guy, you know, BNB Calc, uh, mm -hmm. co-founder is an example, like very talented, smart folk. We're doing crypto and doing what I consider the digital world. Yeah. So I was like, look, if everyone I know who's like smart and talented is doing one thing, like they're all doing crypto and doing like non-tangible out in the ether things, I'm going to yeah. focus on the most tangible 
physical things I could possibly focus on. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I did. I mean, I did it with pontoon boats, but talking about that, at the time you were going a little crypto crazy. Tell us about your, your oh, experiences. That. Yeah. No, look, that's always what's something I like about you, Jeremy. You, you're always a con. I, I love people who think for themselves at the end of the day. Like the contrarian belief is ultimately it pays off in the long run, in my opinion. But yeah, I went crypto crazy. I went down the rabbit hole like 2019 um, where it was just like a exciting, fascinating technology that, I mean, had been around for a little bit already, like Bitcoin started in 2009, I think. Yeah, 2009. And then Ethereum was in 2015. So it's not like I was early. Like I'm not, you know, mining Bitcoin from my laptop and getting a 50 Bitcoin block reward. You know, I'm not doing that. So, but, you know, that was a time where government's just literally pumping dollars in our system. I think what 40% of all us dollars were printed in the last since COVID at that is, point. Yeah. At like, that point like right? in 2021, there was a fact like every, yeah, 40% of the U S yeah. Which I mean, which is just nuts, right? Like obviously this is why we're having these issues now because there is just a lot of free money, right? It's, they call it liquidity, right? There's so much They're more pumping liquidity. liquidity. Yeah. And so now everyone has so much more money to invest in. So, I mean, I think, blockchain as a technology, just standalone technology has some very interesting use cases. And I, and I wanted to stay in that innovation zone, which is what drew me to it. Cause like, you know, it, it just promises of a future that's more fair and transparent initially, essentially. Right. And, and efficient in some other ways. Um, and this is kind of like pushback for, from like, you know, 2008 housing crisis. I mean, Bitcoin was literally born in 2009, the year after that. Right. And it was kind of like a, so was Airbnb. So was Airbnb. Hey. Well, it was a way to make money during the housing crisis. It was okay. Right yeah. Out, right Actually, out I didn't couch. know that. Yeah. It was, hey, you have an extra extra bedroom mm, in your house. Okay. You want to make money from see, it? See, that's a good That's a good ass idea. But anyways, yeah, like th these are just reactions to how the, our world has developed, right? You know, a lot of centralization in big tech, which was what this now, what we call Web3, you know, is kind of how, where that was birthed at, where it's like, all right, like, what are all these companies doing with our data? Like, are they, how much control do they have over our daily lives just because they have, are harvesting our data and, you know, using it for who, who knows what, right. Maybe at our expense. And so that, I mean, there's a lot of philosophical things behind crypto, but at the end of the day, I'm be honest from 2020 to the peak of the bear, uh, sorry, bull market. And I'm so used to saying bear, bear market these days peak of the bull market in December, 2021 was just like, it was just like free money, like Armageddon. Like you put your money into something, uh, shield the fuck out of it on Twitter. You're going to make 50 X and you can turn like 1000 bucks into like 50 K in like a month. And was, I, I remember, I remember when know? people were doing that. And obviously at the, I think people who were doing, they, they weren't shy about telling people they were not, that they were doing that. And, and I, I just remember where I was grinding my ass off on very physical, you know, really, I yeah. started with bow rentals, Airbnbs mm -hmm. to me. And again, I think everybody puts, you know, as, as I think a big theme of what we've been talking about is our backgrounds and how, you know, business to us, given we're you know so competitive and we've had so many adversities in sports that mm -hmm. you know, business adversities don't seem like as big of a, a challenge. But for me, it was like, Bow rentals are fucking hard. <laughs> like a bow rental business is a yeah. challenging business. So Airbnbs seem easy. Like mm -hmm. and in reality they are, just to be to be frank. Yeah. But it was just like, okay, at that time I was still, you know, most of my wealth was tied to boats. Again, I've diversified away from boats, uh, not since then. But I'm, I remember getting a call from one of my my call a college friend who was just like, Yo, dude, like I see what you're doing with the boats and houses. I've got some money to invest. Like I'm thinking about diversifying away from crypto. And I'm like, how much did you make in crypto? And he's like, he's like, I've got like 1.1 mil in cash or something. And yeah. it was like one of those Shiba, those, yeah. you know, bought yeah. it, bought $2,000 worth and it went up to a million. And, yeah. and I was just like, dude, I've, bro, I've, I mean, I've made a lot of money this year for, you know, at this time I'm 23 and, you know, I, yeah. I pulled in, know a couple hundred thousand bucks this year which is like insane for me yeah it's a 
that's a lot for any 23-year-old, honestly. But, like, bro, I fucking grinded. Yeah, yeah. Like, you earned all, all $200,000. I'm, like, I remember, like, sitting in my, like, sitting, like, driving the truck. Like, I had the yeah. boat, boat behind me. Like, I just literally ran the boat, like, a couple times. I, I'm not that, that good with a boat yeah. on my trailer. Yeah. Uh, but I, my, you know, having a boat hitched behind me, I, I had a couple accidents. I'm just not a good driver to begin with. So you put a 25 foot pontoon boat behind me. Right. And, but I just remember a couple of times, like I kind of ran off the road or the boat would fall into a ditch or something and would have to fucking figure out how to get out of a ditch. And it'd be 97 degrees outside. Yeah. I'd be sweating my ass off. And then I like pulled into my driveway and I got a call from, from the college friend telling me, Oh, like a bit all this money. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I could have literally just clicked two buttons. I could have taken, you know, I put 5,600 in a pontoon boat to start everything. Yeah. I could have taken a thousand, went online, fucking clicked two, could, two buttons. You could have clicked swap, <laughs> confirm. That's it. Yeah. And I could have <laughs> then went on Reddit or Twitter and just been like, to the moon, rocket emoji, rocket emoji. And yeah. I would have made, you know, five times as much money as I did absolutely grinding for it. Yeah. So I remember that time for me, it was like a little disheartening, even sure. though, yes, I was making more money than I ever made before. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a cool, cool experience in, in many senses, but I just remember being like, people aren't doing shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, literally people are quitting their jobs because they think they're a full-time crypto investor and trader now, you know, which, you know, they got humbled very fast. I, yeah. I got humbled too, you know? Yeah. But, you know, still, still which in your, your yeah. instance, I'm not like, I'm happy that happened in general. <laughs> I think I remember telling, telling you, I was like, I mean, at the time, I think a big talk was like, nobody's working, you know, cause oh, you, yeah, had, yeah. you had people who are on un extended unemployment benefits, yeah. but also you had, well, I think it was the start of kind of like the creator economy. Yeah. So yeah. people, you know, social media influencers really started becoming big mm -hmm. and being able to quit their jobs. TikTok basically became as big as it is now, like through COVID. You know. I think it was bigger. I mean, I think being a social media influencer yeah. was probably, I'd say you could become one a couple of years ago. And the ones who kind of became ones during yeah. COVID are still full-time social media influencers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, becoming one today is, is a lot more challenging. Now is way more challenging. It's it was like, it was easy then. Yeah. Because now like you could tell it was hard when you could gamify the system so much through like metrics. Right. And like, like there's a point where I remember like nobody could really tell like when engagement was real or not. I mean, now you can, cause like, you know, the algorithm gets better. People crack down and stuff. Like they're trying to push cause they know like they have like Google, I mean, not Google, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. They have to literally push back against like, they need to keep the engagement up. Right. But now it's very hard. A couple of years ago. Well, I mean, I'll speak. I mean, yeah. I, I think I was late to yeah, the you game. You speak about it, not me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was. I mean, I think I was honestly late to the game. And when yeah. I started posting on social, it was kind of just like, "Hey, I'm out on these boats, just in the middle of bumblefuck." And yeah. like, I think this stuff's kind of funny, you know? Like, it was yeah. just, oh, like this boat has, you know, like this shitty little boat has made this much money. <laughs> Like, I was kind of like, and people would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, no, it didn't. Like, who's renting yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yada, yada. Yeah. That was, that was like me starting was, was not, oh, I'm going to, you know, grow, have a couple hundred thousand, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. Yeah. But my point being was at that time, it was kind of easy. Like, I, mm -hmm. I didn't know anything. I was just kind of half-assed posting and, you know, they did well. Like, yeah. it was like, wow, this people are. Are following yeah, me for receptive this? to it. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, damn, this is legit. Like, this is a serious opportunity. Yeah. You know, social media is a huge opportunity. And I'm a firm believer now, but I think, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, you stay at it, you're consistent. It's only gonna only gonna lead to good things. I don't even want to think about social media in 30 years. I hope it's yeah. not called social media. But I mean, who knows? But yeah. Either way, so I, I digress, but we're talking about at that time, people were making money from crypto and they were dropping out of the workforce. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And I was like, I mean, I was happy that a lot of folk are now getting jobs again mm -hmm. and stuff because I mean, that fluff, that time of fluff was just- Oh yeah, the time of fluff was crazy. I mean, I was one of those who, uh, I basically became a Shiba millionaire. You know, I was one of those, right? Obviously I wasn't 
I mean, I'm a degenerate at heart, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I still play my cards pretty I remember clever. my advice to you. Yeah, it was, talking, it was, you told me it was one word sell. <laughs> well, I said, I said, sell enough where it yeah, yeah, goes yeah. to nothing, you'll be happy. Don't sell enough where if this really keeps fucking booming, you won't. you'll kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, like essentially hedge yourself, hedge yourself both ways. Yeah. It's just like, all right, that sounds like 50% to me. So I didn't even do 50 to be honest. I did like 30 because I'm greedy. Um, who's, who's not greedy. Also, when your wealth skyrockets that much in such a short amount of time, you actually become delusional. Like you have no sense of like, you don't think money is money anymore. Like you're I mean, like, it really oh. wasn't at that time. Yeah. yeah that was the problem with our like economy. Right. And it was literally a video game. Like, like I was like, Oh, three, like Ethereum was so crazy. And so like bottlenecked from volume that like it would cost literally $200 to swap one token for another, like 200 bucks. And I was just like, yeah, I don't care. Like I'm, click, I'm click. dealing with like hundreds of thousands. Like, I don't care about $200 like swap fee. Like that's how crazy money was felt in the peak of the bull market, which yeah, I mean, those, those are crazy days, but yeah, I digress as well. Anyways. Yeah. I'm now I'm, um, I'm on, I'm employed now, <laughs> not because I lost my crypto money. You know, it's still like, it's in, it's in my hard wallet. It's in Ethereum. It's just chilling. Um, because I, I am a, I am a big believer in the future of this digital economy growing. Like, I think that's a, that's a bet I'm willing to put a lot of chips on. So that's why I'm still heavily invested, but, and now I'm basically working full-time in crypto, but um, not as a trader on Twitter, but actually building like real software. So I'm at a, a crypto startup where we're basically building API. It's an API product to get funds on chain. And then once they're on chain, they do, uh, they interact with different protocols. So whether that's like staking or whatever. So, and then I'm working on another project protocol on Ethereum. So as a developer, so, um, yeah, it's crypto is a wild ride. Uh, this is, it's, it's an industry that moves like a million miles a second, which always makes it, uh, interesting. Um, and everyone's experimenting on it, which I like, you know, I like the innovative. It's an side. exciting, it's an exciting place to be exciting place to be. But either way, I was like, it's an exciting place to be. All these smart people are there. So where am I going? I'm going all, I'm going the fuck over here. You're opposite. I'm going, and I was physical. like, dude, I respect you for that because, and I, I was like, I know this guy can do it. Like if anyone can do this, Jeremy can pull this shit off. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, what am I pulling off? I yeah, fucking, not uh, pulling off. I'm man. flipping pontoon boats at the time. Well, I turned, I turned the boats into Airbnbs, you know, yeah. which is, so I turned, you know, a very, very high cash on cash yielding asset being a boat in the, and COVID was perfect timing for boat rentals. You know, people wanted to get out of their house and, and go out on the water. The other rental businesses in at, at that location shut down. So I had no competition, which is, Definitely a great thing to have for a new business is having no competition at all, which yeah. is harder to do. It's easier. It's the easiest thing to do is copy an existing business. Well, honestly, that's what I did. I copied an existing business, a bow rental business in another location, and I applied it to a new location. Yeah. So take away what I just said. Do not listen to my advice. It's, it's not starting a business with no competition. Uh, yeah, actually, let me eat my own words. I started a business with a no competition, but I took a business model from elsewhere. Yeah. So it's great to take business yeah. models from one place and apply it somewhere else where it hasn't been applied yet. Absolutely. I mean, dude, literally 99% of things out there are built from built on top of something else. They're abstractions. You know, they're abstractions. They're directly built on top of it. They're copycats. Like truly true innovation, in my opinion, doesn't really exist, you know? Cause like people are just influenced by so many different things where like, yeah, like sure. Sometimes one guy can pull two or three, uh, concepts together and create something slightly new, but it's not truly innovative. Right. So I, I think it's all fair game in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I would, I would say doing something a little differently than others have done it. Yeah. And then starting with an abstraction yeah. off something someone else is doing and kind of I think, I think, uh, what in, in Peter Thiel's like zero to one, yep. it's like, what is a truth that you believe that like nobody else believes? Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, that could be, you know, Uber, Uber, like nobody's going to go on their phone and get in the car with like a stranger Airbnb. Oh, nobody's going to, but like the software, Airbnb software was, was, you know, it was a marketplace. Like at that time, you know, there was Craigslist, like people were kind of, and they built like Craigslist had housing on there. So you could go on Craigslist and find temporary housing. They built a better, essentially a better Craig Craigslist was like the 1.0 and then Airbnb did the 2.0 mm-hmm. and then people, you know, where I, Oh, nobody would ever do that. So I think really building a massive business, there's a difference between like a business and like a fucking Uber Airbnb. Yeah. You know, building yeah, a, definitely. building a business is, you know, a boat rental business or, you know, doing Airbnbs, you know, Airbnbs can be very profitable. Um, and, and building out Airbnb business yeah. is pretty scalable doing an agency model. That's a business. And yeah. But getting that next, that next level. Yeah. It, yeah. You're right. It, it does take, uh, you need to have a truth that you really believe in. I think that part is important. That, I guess some, in other words, that is like, I guess the passion part in some ways. I guess that's where you need to be a little you know, bit crazy a little yeah. bit, you know, you need to have a few screws loose where people are literally telling you, Hey, like you're stupid. Like nobody's ever going to do what you say they're going to do. And you're saying, yes, they are. I mean, it's literally having a little Kanye West in you, which is not (laughs) to say like, you should, you know, I'm advocating for his actions right now, but like, you know, we, we, I think everyone sees Kanye's greatness and it's because he has a couple screws loose, you know, (laughs) same thing with like Elon, you know, he has crazy ideas, but also he's. He's had some, some loose screws as well. Well, I think, I think with Elon was like unique about him. Cause I mean, Kanye is a musician. I'm not, not right. to take anything away from him. Obviously he's an extremely talented musician, uh, artist in general, you know, clothing wise, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, all sure. facets of fashion life. You know, he's a fucking, you know, he's a literally a madman. I mean that in the greatest and also most literal way <laughs> possible. Whereas, or whereas Elon, like, you know, I mean, he, he gets people to believe in something. Yeah. He gets people to drop what they're doing and move to whether it be Texas, California, wherever his businesses are yeah. and devote their life to the cause, to the mission. Right. And, you know, in the case where Tesla was on the verge of bankruptcy because they were having huge manufacturing issues, he goes, yeah. I'm going to lie on the fucking floor here. I'm going to sleep on the floor of this factory because I care so much about our mission, about, you know, the advent and the mainstreamness of electric cars and electric battery technology that I'll be a fucking maniac and getting others to then is not like people naturally aren't, aren't that, you know, like people want to be comfortable. They want to be comfortable. Yeah. But getting someone to say, look, look at me. You've got one fucking life. You only have one life and we're doing something here that's bigger than our one life. And you're going to have to sacrifice, you know, getting your eight hours of sleep every night and watching your two hours of Netflix and whatever other, you know, your ice. I mean, I'm sure people could eat ice cream in the factory. I'm sure they had a freezer. But my point is, like, you got to sacrifice something because we're doing something bigger. Yeah. And I'm sacrificing everything myself. Like, I mean, Elon Musk, he doesn't have a six-pack, you know? Yeah. Like, Well, look, the, the main thing I remember from what he said, he's like, yeah, like, obviously, I'm – he's – ridiculous it's a mega billionaire right like one of the he doesn't give a shit about that though he he, literally does not care he he knows it's a means of you know being able to yeah do what he wants to do but right he doesn't see it like like if any normal person like if i had a billion dollars i would live on an island and i would get all these fancy cars obviously like that's just how people most average people think but for him like the main thing that i remember is like yeah, like my life is not actually fun. Like, I don't think most people on earth would enjoy my life. <laughs> I have such a high pain threshold that I don't think most people are willing to um, handle on a day-to-day basis. You know, like he's literally working like literally 18 hours a day. Like I don't, I'm, I've heard Tesla employees like just be like, he's 
describe him as a literal robot. Like he has no emotion sometimes and he's a huge asshole and <laughs> this and that, like just horror stories. Right. But, um, I like back, back to the original point just comes with it. You know, you, you just have to be wired differently. Um, if you're going to do something that crazy yeah. and also you have to be able to convince other people, well, a, obviously he can raise money, you know, fundraising super important starting yeah. all these companies. And he's obviously can prove to people that I'm a fucking maniac. Yeah. Give me your money. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be put to good use. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, maybe I think about, yeah, you talk about the comforts and, and I see this a lot just in my, I say my quote unquote space, you know, again, I'm, I do short term rentals, I do social media and I see a lot of people in my space who get the most eyeballs are the ones who are they're flaunting, whether they actually have Airbnb businesses or not, because a lot of them are totally full of shit. Yeah. But they're flaunting. You know, they're yeah. showing the, you know, they rent a, they, you know, they rent a nice vehicle. You know, they make some money off whatever, you know, course they have. And then they buy, and then they buy the vehicle. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then they say, thank you, Airbnb, for, for buying me this. <laughs> Right. Um, and that's not me. Like that is yeah. not you, if you. I mean, I hope you can, I mean, maybe, you know, me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just, I, I know, like I see that if I was just thinking purely from an investment standpoint, what I would do tomorrow is I would go rent a Lambo. I would mm -hmm. get a video crew yeah. and I would go around New York city and I would take videos wearing nice clothes in a Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I would just say, thank you, Airbnb for this Lambo and, yeah. and you know, all this nice clothes. I'd have my girlfriend in the car, maybe, maybe whatever, maybe not. I don't know what she'll be in some of the clips. Yeah. And, uh, it would, it would just be all, you know, and I would just, and I would portray that life. Yeah. But I can't like, first of all, that's just not the life I want. You know, I can't right, right. like, if I did that, it would have to be 150% satire. I, no, I agree. I mean, there, there's some people who like, they're more about building their image rather than building something that's lasting. Well, that that, why are they building their, their image? Why are they building their image? Because they want other people to see, to see them. Yeah. And that's, exactly. that's all they care about yeah, is, yeah. is being portrayed and, and being seen a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I, I care about how people think about me. Like, sure. don't get me wrong. Like I, I hope people think about me as like someone who's hardworking, you know, someone who's trying to build something bigger than their self and someone who's trying to help other people too, you know, and be straight yeah. up with people, not, you know, bullshit with people right. and actually help them. And, you know, and I'm, I literally, all I do all day is how do I build things at this point, obviously have, you know, continuing to build the Airbnb business, but it's like, all right, it's pretty automated at this point. Yeah. You know, I have virtual assistants, things are in a pretty good place. You know, we have local crews, but how do I build products now? So again, I was focused on the, the physical shit. So the Airbnb's boats, but now personally, I've kind of shifted back into the digital. <laughs> yeah. Back yeah, to yeah, the yeah. digital. Sure. I, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You're using technology in the way it should be used, you know? In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Why it's not? Like, <laughs> how can I help? You know, I see the biggest mistake people make with Airbnbs is just, assume that they're going to make money yeah. because honestly, to be frank, during COVID early on, like it was super easy. Yeah. Uh, there, there, a lot of hosts left the platform during COVID cause they were scared about all the germs in their houses. So a lot of people left and honestly, what did people want to do during COVID more than anything? I'll ask you the question. What did people want to do more <laughs> than anything during COVID? I mean, just chill at home and buy cryptos. Well, I would say, but then they got sick of being in their own home and they wanted to get the fuck out of their home and just go to somebody else's. That's true. That's true. I mean, I, I even saw I'm, 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 I'm my own echo chamber there. <laughs> I don't know what other people are doing, to be honest. I was, was pretty, Kane. I was pretty locked in. Yeah. Kane was a fucking machine. I was pretty locked in. Kane was a Elon Musk <laughs> robot. But uh, yeah. I, but yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. So go people on. wanted to rent properties. You couldn't really, hotels were sketchy, you know, being on top, the resorts were sketchy, but yeah, I mean, literally, we had people renting with us. We're like, oh, we just need to get the fuck out of our house. Yeah. And same thing for boats, obviously, yeah. but also the houses. So it was really easy. Anybody 
willy nilly person could take pictures on their phone, mm -hmm. terrible photos, terrible listing, not do any market research yeah. and be rewarded for it. And because of that, all these people were making money because, and you know, they were posting online, obviously. It was just it. like simple supply and demand. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. demand for, like you said, and now going somewhere. Demand has actually still kind of gone up. Like yeah, it, it yeah. hasn't, it, you know, people still travel, they travel, traveling more. I mean, you but combine the remote life too, work remote life from like that COVID exacerbated. You know, yeah, and that helps the demand as well. Oh, for right? sure, for sure, and and business travel has picked back up because mm -hmm. that that jumped off a cliff. But my point being is, people jumped in, added inventory to the market, yeah, because they heard how easy it was. Sure. So supply went up, and now I would still say it's relatively easy, but you at least have to like run the numbers on a property. Yeah, you have to. You can't just assume just because you put it up automatically mm -hmm. it's gonna you know, surpass your mortgage or surpass your rent payment, yeah. you have to run the numbers and you might have to, you know, you might have to run the numbers on 25 to find one that's like really, really good. Yeah. I mean, you could probably find 22 of them are profitable, but you know, one of the 25 might be what I would consider right. a home run. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why we, you know, we built software with kind of the mission of at the bare minimum, like run the fucking numbers, at least yeah. know what the yeah. line items are of revenues, expenses. Mm -hmm. Like obviously beyond that, you've got to get the place up and running and stuff. But that was, that was a big problem. I mean, that's something I believe is a big problem. And I'm every day I'm like, all right, how do I, I mean, I don't care if you buy my shit or not. Like, I just want you to know that you should run the numbers on a property. You know, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's the calculator. Okay. The thing is you're saying this is really easy and I'm sure you think it's easy, but when you still break it down, like you literally built this whole BNB calc, like this, this tool is literally is chugging tons of data to get you these insights, right? Like mm -hmm. when you break down all the components, it is a lot of components. There are a lot you of have components. To get right. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. You're saying it's easy, but you know, maybe it's just cause you've, you figured out a system that works. Yeah, well, I know what the I know yeah. what the components are. Like, do you have to pay? You know, do you have to pay for water from the city, or is it on a well? Right. Okay. Is the well in good condition where you're not going to have to you know replace it? Uh, okay, I've never had to replace a fucking well, so I hope that's not something you have to do. But my point is, is like you know, you've got utilities, you've got mortgage, or you have rent. Like, it's just there's very specific line items, yeah. and you just have to work your way through them. And then obviously you've got to get the place up and running yep. and you can get it up and running and make it look shitty and, or you can make it look nice. And I'm not a designer by any means. I have no design background, but I know how to make them look nice enough at this point. Yeah. And I know how, you know, I have a cleaning checklist. I know how to, you know, and, and this is like processes that anybody can do. Sure. And when, and that's, not to self promote here, but I mean, that's why I then did, you know, from the calculator did the coaching program, mm -hmm. which is yeah. all right. So, you know, I'm helping you know thousands of people run the numbers yeah. indirectly. I'm not going on and doing it for them, but the coaching program is I'm helping you do everything the right way. Yeah. Because I mean, for, I mean, even pricing, like you could leave thousands of tens of thousands of dollars on the table. If you just don't know how to price right. the right way. Like I, I gave an example of my Instagram story today where, I, you know, the, the software I was using was telling me to price one way. I jacked the prices 50% higher than the software told me to do. And I got, I've gotten you know, pretty much the month booked out with 50% higher pricing than the software. Yeah. If I listened to the software and I definitely use the software, so I'm not shitting on the software, mm -hmm. but if I hundred percent just relied on the software, I would have left just for one month for one property, $10,000 on the table. Yeah. See, that's, look, if someone, if I could call someone tell me <laughs> not to do that for <laughs> hell, half of that, but really, realistically like one fifth of that, why would I not do that? Yeah. And it's just something you have to learn how to do. So like Airbnb, you do it the right way or you do it the wrong way. Yeah. It two years ago, you could do it the wrong way and you'd probably be fine. Now you could still probably do it the wrong way and be fine. But you got, you know, yeah. I, you, you, moving forward, do things the right way, whether they're, I'm helping you do things the right way, or you just learn how to do them the right way. 
do them the right way. Yeah. There's there's a formula. Damn right. And J-Mo has it. Oh, I don't know if people call you J-Mo online, but. Whatever, they can. Okay. <laughs> his, that's his nickname, by the way, amongst his friends, J-Mo. Yes, I don't sir. know why that happened, but. And Kane is K-Ma. Is it? Well, well, I guess it is now. Yeah, Brother Ma. Brother Ma. I, I call Kane Brother Ma, but I'm, I don't think anybody else does. No, but it's cool. Yeah, but you guys can call Kane Brother Ma. Uh, also, you know, Kane, if they want to reach out to you and say what's good. Yeah. How, yeah, how can uh, they find you? I mean, I got, I got, in, I got all the social socials. Uh, I guess my Instagram is Kanye Ma. Kind of, it was kind of a joke from like eight years ago to just add a Y in my name because it's usually K and E, but K N Y E dot M A. That's my Instagram. I mean, yeah, that's probably. I mean, yeah, that's probably the best way to reach me. I would give my email, but it's too cluttered. Yeah, and talking about on. Uh... <laughs> You were you were big on LinkedIn there for a little bit, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had that viral post, which which honestly, it was Jeremy was like, <laughs> he kind of pushed me to do it because I won't dive into the details just because it, it's like there's a lot of details, but it was kind of putting myself out there in a way where you were uncomfortable doing. I was it. uncomfortable. But it I was, was like, it you was know, positive for society. It was positive for society. It, it, and it was, it truly was. I just, you know, I'm usually more low key guy, you know me. So, but yeah, I mean, Jeremy is literally the opposite. And so I'm, I'm not like, fuck, what do you think I'm out here? Fucking- no, you're not. You're not, but you, you will always speak your mind and you know, you see opportunities, you, you know, that's just who you are. So sometimes that's why it's good to have people who think, well, we think similarly in a lot of ways, but you know, innately differently as well. Yeah. If you guys want, I mean, we don't have to talk too much about it, but if you go on Kane's LinkedIn, he had a post that uh, I think was like a top 10 post on LinkedIn that year. Yeah, I think I got like 15, 16 million impressions and like 500K likes or something. It was, it, it was, it was like crazy. It was like one of the top posts on, on LinkedIn yeah. like that entire that entire year. And honestly, I don't go on LinkedIn anymore, so I don't know. Yeah, same, things. same. But uh, it, was, it was pretty nuts. And all it was was, you know, him sharing something that had happened to him. And it was at a time, we talk about timing, you know, yeah. timing's big, but it was at a time where I'll, I'll just, I'll just kind of give a yeah, high, yeah, high sure. level, but, uh, fuck it. You give, you give a high, high level sure, about sure. it. It was, it was a situation, you know, there was a stop Asian hate movement that happened. I don't even remember what year to be honest. Was it last year? Anyway, uh, 2021. I, I do. I have no idea. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, it was during the, I was sharing, I was just sharing an experience I had where, um, I, I got jumped by a couple guys. Um, and there was a lot of, uh, racial slurs thrown my way during that when it happened. And, you know, I, I was hospitalized and it was really bad injuries that I had to my skull and stuff, obviously full recovery. But, you know, I was just sharing my experience, kind of giving encouragement to, uh, my fellow Asian, uh, people that, you know, if you have experiences and things like that, like, you know, it can be, re- you're related, like, you know, you, you should talk to someone, you know, you shouldn't feel, uh, excluded from anything. So it was, it was more on those lines. Yeah. And I, I remember, so what you told me about this, uh, well, what happened to you? What's happening? Oh, I was just saying. Wrap it up. Yeah. Cause I gotta... yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So we'll just kind of how, how this came and like yeah. left an impression on me. So we were, I was with Kane and some of his, uh, his coworkers, uh, you know, at, yeah. for his business at, yeah. about like the week before. We had a little company retreat actually back when we were sizable as a company. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like an advisor, whatever I was helping out. Yeah. So, and a couple of the, the employees were Asian. Yeah. And I remember, this was like kind of right as the stop. This is when it was all over the media, basically. Yeah. It's like an Atlanta shooting. I made some joke downplaying it. Like I, I made some joke. I don't remember what you said. I don't remember what I said too. They were offended. And I remember, I mean, you kind of laughed, but you were also like, all right, well. I, cause I just knew, like, I knew you better than them. Right. Yeah. 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 And I'll admit, I I made some joke kind of like downplaying it. I, I, I don't remember exactly what I said. I wasn't like an anti-Asian thing to say. It was more like just like downplaying the movement a little bit. Yeah. And then, 
you know, I remember thinking though, looking at you and being like, oh fuck. But I remember what you told me, you know, I think it was like, you told me five months prior, like about what happened to you. And like, I remember while I was downplaying it, I looked at you and I was like, oh shit. You literally got jumped like by dude, like anti, I mean, they're probably anti every race. They're not just anti-Asian, but regardless, they're anti-Asian and that, you know, encourage them to beat the shit out of you, you know? And I remember saying like, while I was saying that, I was like, Oh shit. And like that, how moving that was to me being like, damn, like one of my boys, like literally like was jumped because, you know, no fault of his own. Right. Uh, so then I remember thinking that and then being like, all right, bro, that, what that just had on me, just like putting that story together with, you know, how, the, how these girls are, cause you're, you're strong. Like you weren't, you weren't feeling any type of way, but like sure. how they were feeling about it and yeah. your story, like me having that moment of connecting the two. Yeah. I was like, damn, this is, this is moving. Like, yeah. and then be like, bro, you gotta, you gotta share that story. Like you just gotta, it had a, it had a profound effect yeah, on yeah, me no, I, and I'm not going to lie. I'm, yeah. I'm ignorant. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'll admit my ignorance, but you've got to you've got to share that. And then you know, I was glad that glad you did share it, and it had a such yeah. a great reach yeah. and crazy impact. Yeah, never would have thought. So yeah, so y'all, whatever you want to look at yeah, that and, yeah. and start. You know, that's on my LinkedIn. You know, <laughs> search my name up. I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, yeah, I get. I, yeah. Trip down memory lane today, for sure, huh? <laughs> That's what these podcasts do, baby. Yeah. So I hope you guys found that valuable. I know we covered a lot of different topics. Again, hit up Kane. Look at yes, Instagram, social, LinkedIn. Hit me up, whatever. Love to be helpful to you guys. Appreciate you all being on. Come join us uh, next time we do this.